Welcome to Jeff in Motion, longest week ever edition. Um, hope you guys had a good week. Uh, I was unsuccessful in managing to have a good week. Um, it's, there's some shit going down at work. It, I mean, it doesn't so much directly involve me, but it directly involves the highest levels of management, so it kind of indirectly involves everybody. So there's that. That fun, fun, fun kind of thing going on. Um, I hope you guys had a better week. Um, We're going to start a new segment of Jeff in Motion, where Jeff, uh, you know, reads the interactions he has from his fans, or gives a shout-out, rather, to the fans that interact with him. It's always awesome to hear from you, Liam. All right, that's it. (laughs) Uh, It's still only me and Liam out there, pushing through. But, uh, I mean, I got that one guy, uh, that one fan going for me. So there's that. I'll, li- I'll ask this question directly to Liam, because I know he'll answer me. Um, how did you find the Popular Outcast Network? Because I know you started with, uh, or at least I think you started with Popular Outcasts. And um, to my knowledge, you are the only one in Australia that listens to us. So just curious as to how that happened. Anyway. Um, checking out the new venue for Mike's No Mike Open Mic tomorrow. Um, I'm going to get a feel for the room, see where we're going to set up. So those of you who are local and listen, or who watch the YouTube videos after the fact, um, this is pertinent to you. You gotta remember October 26th, we're in their new location. You gotta get asses in chairs. Or, and there, that's one of the bonuses. One of the bonuses to the new venue is there will be chairs to put asses in. So, there you go. Yes, uh, the Podfather himself, Bill Russell, and I are going to be going to the Eagle Lodge tomorrow afternoon. And checking it out. Um, there, I believe the event that is happening is a uh, an event honoring someone who has passed away. So, you know, we'll definitely be able to get a feel for comedy. <laughs> but we just need to get a good look at the room and see how it's all laid out. Which is important. Despite whether it's going to be at a bummer event or not. Um, This morning, I thought I kind of wanted to talk about my time in marching band today. I don't know if I feel like it anymore. I'm blanking on the topics that I had. Yeah, no, not feeling it. 
Um, I think it's been a long enough time that we can do uh, movie theater episode three. Seems pretty good. Seems pretty good. Uh, episode one was me talking about being an usher. Episode two was me also talking about being an usher. Um, I don't remember exactly where I left off, but I think I'm just gonna head at, uh, go ahead and talk about being a projectionist. Because that was the second year I worked there. I think I only worked two years. I did take a year off in between, though, to work at Best Buy, which fucking sucked. And um, I'm sure I will spend an entire episode talking about Best Buy at some point. But when I came back, shortly after I came back, I became a projectionist. So, or maybe before I left, it's not terribly important to the uh, episode at large as to when I became a projectionist. But I became a projectionist, which is pretty much the highest on the totem pole um, below managers. Which is pretty great, because you're important. Uh, you, there's only one projectionist on at any given pro- time, um, generally. Unless you're being training, like... Unless you're being training. Unless you're being trained, like I had been. But projection is, uh... It's not really a thing anymore. It's not really a job you need to be anymore. Um, with the advent of the digital projector, which I will touch on probably in the tail end of this episode. But uh, projectionist was, I missed that job because it was a skill. Like, I trained for that job for what felt like months. And it's something like, everyone has seen that YouTube video. Oh, God. All right sure how that truck came to a stop without using brake lights, but that... Anyway. <clears throat> but everyone's seen a video or something similar of the like of, like, someone's in, like, a Taiwanese market, and there's a video of guys, like, you know, gutting a fish in ten seconds, or uh, uh, spinning pizza, or baking, or baking bread, or uh, slicing a watermelon in, like, a insane amount of time um, and it's all very complicated hand motions and gestures um, all done with almost robotic precision that's what it felt like when I first went up into the projection area and watched um, the head projectionist Frank thread a projector because those of you who don't know um, back when I was a projectionist uh projectors still ran 35 millimeter film and so you had to thread the film through the projector and if you did it if you didn't do there's there's one way to do that there not not a lot of wiggle room if you screw one little thing up you can ruin a print of a movie which are fucking expensive and you cost the company a you the company gets fined if you fuck up a, a film 
And uh, these these big motherfuckers, they came in like five, uh, four to six, seven, seven or eight reels uh, for the really long ones. And then one of your jobs was to build the movie, which was to combine all these reels of film into one giant reel of film. So that... Excuse me. Uh, so that you didn't have to... Because, like, older movie theaters, you would just, rather than combine them all into one reel of film, you would just switch the reels when it was required. But that required a projectionist to be really be paying attention to every single movie the entire time they were running. And uh, rather than do that, we would splice the film together into one massive reel, which laid down flat and didn't sit upright. And that, that way, when you threaded the projector, you could hit go, and it would run the entire movie, and you didn't have to sweat it. I mean, you did have to peek in just in case, you know, like, something like you fucked up. So, to make sure that, uh, you know, the projector, the projector wasn't on fire or anything like that. But... So, you... I, there's no way to describe the threading process. It's just, it's running a piece of film, very thin, um, through gears and levers and trap doors and things, and making sure there's enough uh, give before and after the lens, just due to the way the process works, because the film isn't just pulled through. It's ratcheted through. So each frame actually stops for a split second. And that's kind of like the the uh daka the daka daka noise you will hear in an older movie theater that actually still runs uh film because each frame does stop in front of the lens uh for a few seconds time. Or not a few seconds, a few milliseconds time. Because, I mean, they run at 24 frames a second, so. Anyway, you get it. And, um, I, I have ruined movies. Um, if I've misthreaded film, and you get it in such a way that the film will rub on something, and it will scratch... And the thing is, if you don't catch it, it will put a line through the entirety of the film. So, and uh, people, if you have ever been to a film movie, uh, one that's been running in the theaters a while, um, you may have noticed a black line throughout large portions of the film. And that's, that's what happens. That's, I would would and have been responsible for that. And if I really fucked up, you'd see a green or white line. Um, A white line was, man, you seriously fucked up. Uh, The first film that I screwed up was the newest Nightmare on Elm Street with Jackie Earl Haley. And uh, that really, really bummed me out because I'm a big fan of the whole series. Um, I liked that movie. Um, 
I thought that Jackie Earl Haley was perfect as Freddy. The movie as a whole, there were some things that it could work on, but anyway. And so that bummed me out a whole fucking bunch that I put a scratch through the entirety of Nightmare on Elm Street. And like, when you hear those words, you put a scratch on, you fucking like, my heart never dropped out of my stomach worse than that. Like, because projectionists, you've got a lot of responsibility. Yes, you have got to get the movies started on time and you've got to get, um, you've got to build movies and whatnot. Like that, that's a responsibility and it's important. But the fact that you have, like, the ability to fuck up a movie, especially if it's a popular one, and that is going to detract from every single customer's movie-going experience from that showing on, that, uh, that's, that can be a lot of pressure, and it can be a lot of stress. And, I mean, to counteract that, when you weren't starting movies, you did pretty much nothing. I would sit up there and play games on my iPad, or read a book, or do homework, like, it was a, it's a pretty cushy position, because a lot of the time is spent waiting to do your job, which is fucking great, uh, to get paid to wait to do something. Um, I know lots of people who would have, like, they would hate when their job was slow, or something along those lines. And I'd be like, and I've never once complained about a job being slow because I'm, because I'm perfectly, like, I am doing my job waiting to do my job, which is great. I will always, like, sit back and enjoy the opportunity to get paid to do nothing. As long as it's not, I'm doing nothing when I should be doing something, because that's, my work ethic doesn't allow me to take, uh, to enjoy that. So, uh, but yeah, so you thread this movie, and there's a lot of fucking pressure, because you could seriously fuck shit up. And, um, nobody wants to do that. I mean, granted, if you... Eh, here is the thing. Every single projectionist ruins a movie or two. That just... It happens. Because it's a very complicated job. The part that you, when you're actually doing your job, it's complicated. And it's easy to fuck it up. And especially when you, when you thread a projector... Uh, let's see, 20 to... 30 some times a shift and then you work multiple days a week the opportunities for you to fuck it up are extremely high and like I took pride in my work because like I was trying to make the analogy and I kind of forgot about earlier is you watch that guy on YouTube slice up a fish super proficiently, like, you get, you, you take pride in your work when you get fast at threading a projector. I could thread a projector start to finish in under, under a minute, under 30 seconds if I was really on my game, like, I got good at that, and when you, 
found find out that you fucked it up and that you like ruined the film, it just it really hits you in like ah oh, fuck that thing I take pride in being good at I did not do correctly. And granted, um, I do, I don't think I ever made the same mistake twice. Um, so there's that, but there's also, it's not just one thing that you fuck up. You fuck up any one of a dozen or so little things, and you can fuck up a film. The second film I screwed up, the one I got written up for, was, I think, Twilight New Moon or Twilight Eclipse. One of those two. But fortunately, I caught it, because it was a big fuck-up, and it was only the first, like, five minutes of the film, plus every trailer that was on the film, that got a gigantic white scratch in them. Like, to the point where people would have been asking for their money back. And... Fortunately, I did catch it, and I still got written up because I they would still have to pay a fine for damaging the film, but it was not near as bad as putting a scratch through the entirety of a movie. And it, the fact that I caught it meant that I was, you know, going back and double-checking my projectors for such things. When I worked there, we had one digital projector. Which was great, you know, you went, you hit play at the correct time, it's just like playing a movie on iTunes or Windows Media Player, Uh, there's a big green triangle, you hit it, and you're done. Hit it, and forget it. And, um, which is great, which is great, because that's the only way you can do the 3D films, uh, in the way the current technology works. So, you know, and then, like, I liked the 3D projector. It was cool. It looked like a mini fridge on its side with a freaking giant beam of light coming out of it. But, you know, I was really proud of the work I did on the the 35 millimeter projectors. And, like, it had just, because they, like, they were just massive machines that got really hot because those bulbs are crazy uh, how bright and hot they get, and, like, you got greasy, like, I, you just, it felt like, you know, I was working with machines, machines that could hurt me, like, if I were to get, if I, if I were to start that thing with my fingers in there, I'd get fucked up, like, it was, it was a good feeling to, like, really work in those machines, and like and to be able to fix something if it went wrong like oh shit the film isn't feeding correctly it's starting to like it's starting to pull or get too tight like the film might snap to know what to do to fix it you know you just you felt like an expert at something you were doing something that not your every everyday schmo could do like anyone could sweep up popcorn on the floor not everyone without training, could be a projectionist. So, I genuinely really enjoyed my job. Now, there aren't a whole lot of, like, 
crazy stories about being a projectionist because I spent most of that time alone. And other than, you know, the times I fucked up films, that, you know, that was about it. Um, So, like, when I was doing my job well, it was fairly uninteresting as far as storytelling goes. The, uh... And, like, I, I gotta say I definitely enjoyed the power trip. Having the ability to, you know... I could seriously fuck up someone's movie-going experience if I wanted to. I could, I could put it slightly out of focus. I could um, cut the sound. There are lots of things I could do. I never did any of that because that's an awful thing to do. But just having that power was kind of cool. It was, it was cool. Um, I never abused it, but it was neat. And, uh, one of the things, though, that has only happened to me once or twice, but when the power went out, it was a fucking shit show. Because that meant, because often the power would go out, just like blink, it would go bump, bump. And, but that would shut down every single projector in the place, and I would have to make a mad fucking dash and hit go on every single projector and then people would would complain they're like I missed a few they would say a few minutes of movie no they missed probably 30 seconds to a minute of movie simply because it takes a second for the bulb to get back to the point where it can turn on and the film moves so, like, you miss a few seconds of movie when the power goes out, and, um, if it were, were, like, the digital projector, you don't miss any movie, but the film you did, and there was no rewinding that, like, you can't rewind a 35mm projector, uh, it just goes, uh, you would have to run the entire film through, which happens at one-to-one speed, like, there wasn't a fast-forward either, Um, and then run it all the way back to that spot, like, it was, you just are, you missed that time, and you aren't getting it back. I'm sorry. And... I mean, all this being said, it kind of makes the argument for digital projectors. And, like, because they don't... The films don't get scratched. And if the power goes out, you're not totally fucked. And, like, you don't even need to... Like, there are movies that would start within, like, a minute or two of each other. And I would ha- And they'd be at opposite ends of the building and involving a staircase. And I would have to sprint to get them done. And, like, if one... If they weren't threaded, that would take even more time... So, like, there, I mean, there's that argument, too, that digital projectors can be run on a computer system. And it's like, oh, if tickets sold, it will start the movie the time the movie's supposed to start. Boom. No, nobody, nobody involved. There you go. And you don't get scratches. They're cleaner. 
You often don't get dust. You don't get dust on the film. You can get dust on the lens. Like, there's just by every like. I get it. I get why digital is the way it went. But there is just something about watching a film, you know? Like, you could hear the projector over the movie. The deca 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 You knew that there were thousands of tiny pictures being moved and then stopped for just an instant and then moved again. And... There was an appeal to it. It was a dying art, the art of being a projectionist. And uh, a year or so after I left the movie theater, they went. Uh, they got bought out, and they went all digital. The the local movie theater that I used to work at, there isn't a single thirty five millimeter projector in there, and that's a bummer to me. Because that, that art that I learned, that skill that I, I, I took the time to become good at, is now no longer used in any way. And the even large, greater tragedy was they, they sent all of those projectors to a landfill. They didn't sell them. It was, wasn't worth their time to find buyers in, like, bumfuck Pennsylvania for 11 full-sized 35-millimeter projectors. So they got thrown away. (laughs) And, I mean, I can't blame them. Uh, The movie industry is gone all digital. Um, It is very, very rare that a movie is even put out to 35-millimeter film anymore. And, I mean, granted, I get it, because that's fucking expensive to make film for every town in the United States, that's a gigantic expense. Burning uh, copies to hard drives is not a huge deal. Um, heck, some of them send them via set, like wireless internet now. Um, they don't even mail the hard drives anymore. So, I, I mean, I get it. And, like, it got to a point where it was going to be more expensive to buy or to rent, buy, uh, show a 35mm film than it was a digital. And since, like, televisions have improved to the point where just not as many people go to the movies anymore, because they can just watch a movie on Netflix whenever the fuck they want, um, on their 40-inch screen with surround sound, the home theater experience, um, it's making it so that it's just, they, uh, movie theaters can't, they can't take a loss. They can't. So, I mean, I get it. I guess I'm just saddened by it. And, I mean, not to a point where I'm gonna vow to start my own movie theater and run 35mm projectors. Eh, I guess fuck that. But this is just a bummer, you know? Another awesome thing about the movie theater was all the popcorn you could eat. I would constantly be eating popcorn. 
while working at the movie theater. Non-stop. I absolutely love popcorn. And um, one thing I found that almost unanimously every employee I still am in contact with, the movie theater ruined their taste for popcorn. They just, they didn't like popcorn anymore. Not me, though. Not me. It did not ruin it for me. And, I mean, I get it, because people are like, how could you not like popcorn? Um, because I got had the same thing for donuts for a long time. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't like donuts. It just donuts excited me in no way for several years after I left Dunkin' Donuts. Like, if someone were to bring a dozen donuts into work, I'd just be like, eh, all right. And people would be like, what? How are you not ecstatic for donuts? I'd be like, dude, you don't eat, I have eaten a, enough donuts to kill a man in my lifetime. I, I just don't get as excited about donuts as everyone else. Now, granted, since my memory of eating several donuts a day for a couple years uh, have faded, I can get excited about donuts again. Because donuts are fucking good. But I definitely have a weird bias toward Dunkin' Donuts. Like, I get kind of snooty. Like, oh, Krispy Kreme, everybody says they're better. They're not better. They're not better than Dunkin' Donuts. Like, I've got a, a, like... Dunkin' Donuts is the only job I can honestly say that I took pride in where I worked. And by by that I mean, like, I was genuinely proud of the product I was selling. I was genuinely proud of the quality of said product. Like, I worked at Dunkin' Donuts for about six years and never once did I see something go on there that I wouldn't want to tell somebody. Like, nobody dropped the donut and then gave it to a customer. Nobody spit on food. Nobody did, like... It was clean, and it was, like, good. Like, the quality of the food that we sold at Dunkin' Donuts while still being fast food and loaded with, like, um, corn syrup and whatnot. um, I was proud of that. And, like, at the movie theater, I took pride in my quality of work, but the owners of the theater were shysters. They were uh, shady. So I didn't really take pride in the job as a whole. And, like, since... I can honestly say I've... Never since Dunkin' Donuts, my first job, have I fully taken pride in the company I was working for and the product I was selling. Um, So I have, like, a weird loyalty to Dunkin' Donuts. And whenever I get bad to Dunkin' Donuts... I am, I am offended that they dare fall below my standards, the standards that I used to set for myself and our store, which granted was a test store. It was like, I believe at one point we were the 14th best Dunkin' Donuts in the nation, something like that. So like... The Dunkin' Donuts in Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania is a good fucking Dunkin' Donuts. And we would get new products, like products they were testing 
they would we were a test market also. So like we'd often see new and interesting variations on sandwiches and things like that. So like our store was a store you could take pride in. I don't even know how I got to that. Oh, popcorn. And um, so you could have as much popcorn as you wanted, and you could have as much fountain drinks as you wanted, um, as long as you brought your own cup, uh, because they took inventory on the cups. So, but, like, man, I fucking... I'm amazed that I don't bleed Coke Icy to this day for the sheer amount of Coca-Cola Icy I drank. And I still love Coca-Cola Icy, um, despite the fact that it's terrible for you, just because it's all, like, corn syrup and just sugar and empty calories and whatnot. But I, like, shit, guys. I really love Coke Icy. And I drank just... Uh, just the fact that I, I'm alive is amazing with all the food I ate at the movie theater and Dunkin' Donuts. But, um, well, shit, I think I, I think I kind of finished my movie theater thing. Oh, Midnight Shows! Um, I'll talk on that. Midnight Shows are a phenomenon that, uh, they, they were... One, I love them because they were rare. They were rare cases. If we did a midnight show every week, I would hate them. But midnight shows were like, they usually happened in the summer, then they were for big movies. They were for your Star Wars, your Twilights, your Batmans, what have you, your Harry Potters. And working a midnight show was great because it was different, it was an occasion. And especially the big ones. And um, just from here on out, assume I'm talking about a Twilight Midnight Show. Because those were the craziest things I ever experienced while I was there. And, like, because Twilight, we would run that. And this was, remember, before the all-digital. Because now this isn't a huge thing. But we would run it in, like, nearly every theater in the movie in the building and the way it was done because we would only get two or three copies of the movie so we would have to like daisy chain projectors with this movie in it and it was very complex and um, risky process to do from a projectionist standpoint because you had to thread all of these movies and they all had to start at exactly the same time so that like and the, all the projectors had to be running at exactly the same pace um, so the fact that we would run these movies in almost every theater was quite literally a feat um, and it was cool because like there's a lot of pressure to get it done right and um, then we sold, I think, the last Twilight Midnight Show. We sold out seven or ten theaters. Ten theaters, I think it was. Which is just 
thousands of people. Uh, well, no, I think it was 1,300 people. So not thousands, hundreds of people. And like seating people for a busy show was a, an usher's job. And it was like a game of Tetris, but where the Tetris blocks were the worst people on the planet and would refuse to scoot over a seat so that a family could sit together. So it was like argue, like Tetris where you had to argue with the blocks to get them to fit into the right places. And like it was another opportunity for me to exercise my power as a... Uh, as an usher, so that was great, and, like, just, there was an energy, because everyone was, like, insanely excited to start their movies, and it was, it was great, it, it was stressful, but it was, like, a fun stressful, it was, like, a, how the fuck are we gonna pull this off, and every single midnight show I ever worked, there was a point where I was, like, we're not gonna do it, we're not gonna get all these people in these theaters, and, like, something's gonna go wrong, uh, but rarely did it ever. And um, I also loved the, like, the pep talks. Like, I would I would get people, like, in a fucking, uh, just, I would whip them into a, like, a, a frenzy. I would get up, I'd be like, all right, everybody who's Team Jacob, give away! Woo! And, like, just, you know, me being the ham I am, and loving being in front of a crowd um it was it was the best i absolutely loved it but uh the last midnight show i did there was a tragedy um i was i had been projectionist for a little while that time so i was upstairs now i was an usher for the midnight show because i was good at my job being an usher and um they needed help so, I was doing that, but I, they also needed me to help start the, like, one of the ten or so projectors that were running. So, um, something that we found out was two of the projectors that we had never interlocked before, they didn't run at exactly the same speed. So, the film was starting to pull on the floor between the two projectors which is absolutely unacceptable. That is not something that can be allowed to happen. And um, so they were like, Jeff, go down. Because, um, like, the, the, the uh, trailers had started. So the movie had started already. These people had waited for hours to get into the theater. They had done, got there, they were packed. The th- there was not an empty seat in that movie theater, the two movie theaters that were interlocked. It, it, so we had to stop both projectors, and I had to go down and be like, hey guys, um, you know, there's a little issue with the projector, everything should be fine, um, but just letting you know, just hold up, it shouldn't be longer than a minute or two. And as I'm saying that, over my walkie-talkie, I just hear, we might have to send them home. And I just went, I just turned off my walkie because that is absolutely the last thing you want. A room 
full of close to uh, 100, it was one of the smaller theaters, a little over 100 rabid Twilight fans to hear that they might not get to see their movie. Um, so I, like, I'm like, it's alright guys, it's fine, don't worry, I'm chatting them up, I'm keeping them entertained, and that comes in, and I go like, uh, and I run out of the theater, and I get on the walkie, I was like, what? I was in the theater, they might have heard you say that, and my manager was like, what? And I was like, I, I was keeping them entertained, and they're like, fuck. And um, so I stand out there, and I'm with one of the, the, de- the managers that's downstairs, also a good friend of mine, Bill Russum of the Popular Outcast podcast. You might have heard of him. And I'm like, oh, shit. Shit, they are. They're going to eat us a fucking live if we tell them they have to go home. And um, as it turned out, they did. And fortunately, it was up to our good friend Bill to tell them they had to go home. And um, he he genuinely, he, he was, genuinely felt bad, but he uh, kind of amped it up and pretended to almost cry as he told them so they didn't um, tear him apart limb from limb. But we, so we had to send over 100 people home without seeing their film on the midnight show for Twilight after they had waited hours to see it. And, uh... <laughs> and, I mean, granted, we gave them each two free movie passes. Like, they got to see a movie... got to see a movie to replace the movie they missed and a second movie. Um, so, like, all in all, they made out financially. But, like... It was, oh, there's just, there's so many, like, fucking A. It was a crazy thing. It was a crazy thing. The customers were the fucking worst part of that job, though. Like, the amount, like, the entitlement people fucking had. People would walk out of their movie with, like, five minutes left and be like, I don't like this, we want our money back. And uh, policy was, no, if you watched over half the movie, you don't get your money back. Um, And, like, the analogy would be, hey, if you ate the entirety of your meal at a restaurant, they wouldn't give you your money back for it. Um, Which, actually, they might, um, because some restaurants are like that. If you complain, they actually will give you your meal free. Um, But only really shitty people take advantage of that. But yeah, we we weren't like that. And people would just piss and moan about the prices and the weight and uh, and like But I guess that's any job, you know? I guess that's any job. And my throat is really dry. Um, I think I kind of tapped myself out as far as topics about the movie theater. And then while I'm at a red light here, let's see if there's anything else on my list. Okay, here's a few things. 
Um, these are completely unrelated. Just a little bit of house cleaning on my uh, topic list. Um, I often pick up uh, affectations in my speech. Um, I will say things incorrectly as a joke. And I mean, granted, it's only a joke for only me. Um, but I do it so much that it becomes subconscious until it's eventually integrated into my speech at large. And, um, then I am just, I become the person I've been making fun of, as in someone who says a word wrong, say, or a phrase, a really odd phrase. Like, something I say, uh, instead of turn off the lights, is out in the lights, and that's something very Pennsylvania Dutch. It's from, it's, it is my heritage. But, <laughs> like, it's something I heard someone say. And I was like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And it's so stupid that I'm going to continue to say it until I eventually say it genuinely. Um, so, there, like, I, I genuinely say out in the lights. And it started as me making fun of somebody. Um, another, like, another thing is the word tattoo. I say tattoo. Um, I don't know why, but when I'm just talking, I'll say tattoo instead of tattoo. Tattoo. Um, also, Tuesday, I will say Tuesday. Um, also, you know, the classics, like, referring to Spider-Man as Spider-Man. Um, Batman is Batman, Mr. Mr. Spider-Man, um, so I, like, I don't know what it says about me, but I just, I like to play with words so much that I end up accidentally bringing incorrect usage into my speech. Um... I don't have a lot, a lot of time before I get home, so I don't want to get into the big topics. Um, I didn't used to be the angry guy. Um, in fact, it used to be damn near impossible to get me angry. Now, you can get me passionate about things. And um, I often would get impassioned, but like... I talked a while ago, a few episodes ago, about how I wouldn't be my friend and how I often flip out on my friends and um, whatnot. But it, it was only in a rather recent conversation that I kind of, talking with uh, Bill Russell of Popular Outcasts, that that really isn't, a, that's not a thing that I've been known for. Like, that's something that's happened within the last year. Um, and it's pretty much can be exclusively blamed on stress, a lot of it being stress related to the Popular Outcast Network, because it generally, um, it puts me in a position where I am just dealing, I'm managing people, I am a producer, I am managing people, and, like, there are things that will get, that will really irk me that I don't have control over, that is something I consider a product of mine. And that stress 
will lead me to just my fuse has been I hope not permanently shortened and like it'll be to the things where where things that aren't even about podcasting or what what have you will set me off now it used to be only if something shitty was happening uh within the podcast network I would get set off but now it's and I I feel that recognizing this is helping me improve but It's to the point where, like, little things will set me off, and I was not that guy. Um, Even a year ago, I took everything in stride. It was really tough to piss me off, so to speak. And, um, like, and I, like, I will take on, and a lot of this is via, like, Facebook chat and text messages, so I often sound angrier than I am. Um, I often sound like I'm yelling, but I'm not, because that's the thing, like, I don't yell at people. I yell when I get passionate, I speak loudly, but I don't yell at people. That's just never been something, I I don't get angry to a point where I get, like, getting in a shouting match is not something I've ever done. It's not something I do. I, and like, I don't handle it well. I clam up, and I don't want to talk. I just am like, fuck this, fuck that. And, um, there, I know people that, like, don't consider it a real relationship unless they are constantly fighting with their significant other, and that's just not my bag. Like, Asa and I have disagreements, and, like, I've gotten in trouble, and vice versa. Far less often has Asa never been in trouble, just because, um... I tend to act before I think a lot, and especially think, or speak before I think. So, it it gets me in trouble, but not as much as it used to. And, um, like, we just don't, we don't bicker. We don't quarrel. Um, we don't ever shout at each other. Um, I've, I've absolutely never gotten physical with her. And it's not like, and it's not like I have to exude a gigantic amount of self-control to do that. It just, it doesn't come naturally to me to be that way. And our relationship has been built on seven years tomorrow. Happy day early anniversary, baby. Um seven years we've been dating and that's just not the way we are we don't fight um we will discuss we will disagree um we'll we'll get mad at each other it happens i mean genuinely though when i get mad at ace and i tend to process it on my own before i even bring up bring it up and often it was just me being in a grumpy mood wrong time wrong place Um, And if I'm pissed off at her, I'll just brood a little. And by the time, like, I see... Like, I'll brood on the way to work or something. And um, often by the time I see her, I've just been like, Oh, it was stupid. There's there's no point. Um, Like, I was just being cranky. Which I am prone to do. Um, I often will get testy. 
And I, but I, like, I, I know to let the little things slide, to not fucking have an argument or a fight over every little fucking thing. And I mean, you know, everyone says sweat the small stuff, and I just, I guess I can count myself as lucky as the fact that I, that nat- comes naturally to me. I naturally don't sweat the small stuff. Um, yeah. How did I even start up that? Oh, I don't, didn't used to be the angry guy. And, like, that was pretty much my whole life. Like, you can speak, like, ask Bill, ask Mike Bennett, these guys who've known me for years. I don't tend to get mad. Um, I'll get frustrated, I'll get ups- uh, but, like, that's about where it goes. I, I just don't get mad. And this last year, the stress has really made it so that I am a person who gets mad about things. And I don't like that. Um, it makes me feel bad, and I don't like it. So, I'm hoping that I can, you know, the fact that I've kind of can point out the fact that I'm sweating the small stuff is going to help me stop. What else? Oh. Oh. There is this commercial. Um, or it's a series of commercials now. Um by Axe, and I mean, I know that Axe body spray is not, like, you shouldn't look to it for the pinnacle of um, you know, equality with men and women and whatnot, but, like, these, these, this ad campaign they're currently running, which is the the fact that it is an epidemic that women are getting hotter um, and only acts can help you protect you, 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 you poor, poor men that suffer from the fact that women are getting hotter. And like, f- what the fuck is this? One, it makes no fucking sense. They don't give any, like, it's one of the, is the commercials that's just like, ah, this is funny, it, uh, but it doesn't give any points. Like, it doesn't, like, say why the things they're claiming are true. And, like, yes, it's... There are commercials like the uh, Old Spice, which have no, like, actual facts or anything in them. Which I love, because they're done well. They're, the humor is there. But these Axe commercials just rub me the wrong fucking way. Because they're... And it's often the tone is that, you know, things aren't getting done the way they used to because women are too hot nowadays and men just... They, they're just distractions to the men who get the real work done. What the fuck? How are these commercials airing? Um, like, that is the tone of these commercials. That society as a whole is declining because men are being distracted by the fact that women are hotter than they used to be. Fuck you, Axe Body Spray. That's terrible. That's absolutely awful. 
and oh, it's just jokes. Don't worry about it. Fuck you too. That's terrible. That is an awful, awful thing to reinforce that idea that women are only to be seen as a distraction to men who make the real progress in the world. Fuck you, Axe Body Spray. Son of a bitch. Oh yeah. Fuck X body spray. I'm home. My throat hurts. Eh. <sighs> Have a good weekend, guys. Wish uh, Bill Russum of the Popular Outcasts happy birthday. He turns 37 tomorrow. Almost 10 years older than me to the day. And, uh, yeah. Have a good weekend. Fuck, I didn't have... I haven't done this in forever! Didn't have the application open. Son of a bitch. Alright, enjoy your weekend.